this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 7. I'm going to give you some, some of the Bible. You know, when you start reading the Word of God and you see when Jesus refers to people in the Bible, he's talking about real people with real problems, okay? Kind of sounds like me and you. And so that's what I want to talk about again today. I'd gone through the New Testament and looked at a lot of different parables and the things that Jesus talked about, and I marked a lot of them that really identified with my own life. Now, when we begin to read this, you'll say, no wonder why this identifies with his own life. This is one of my favorite ones. So here we are, Luke chapter 7. Let's read in verse uh, 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And she stood his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her hair, or with her tears, and wiped them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. I could stop right there, man. I could speak off of that real quick. Every time I read that, that really moves me. Now, once again, I want to highlight, guys, this was a real person with real problems. It, it said right here, she was a sinner. She was a good sinner, too, okay? Many translations suggest she was a prostitute. But yet she still went to Jesus. She humbled herself and went to Jesus. And the way she cried and, and wiped her, her feet in the things... It was out of gratitude. She was so grateful for what Jesus was going to do or had already done in her life. Keep reading. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man if he were a prophet would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and says, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears Wiped him with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, there's two main characters in this. There's the religious, the Pharisee, or Simon. And then there's this woman, this sinner, this suggested prostitute. So there's some difference and some similarities in all this. And this morning, I'm going to give you several differences and similarities. The difference here, in man's eyes, one owed 50 denarii, and in the other one owed 500. One of them loved 
much, and one of them loved little. Now, this is all going to come together here in a little bit, the further we get going on this. But I believe you're here to, to understand this, to set some of you free today to help you, okay? Now, I want to give you the first similarity this morning. Begin with reading with me in verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. The first similarity, as I want you to see right here, is that it says there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. Two debtors. That statement right there shows me they both owed. Both of them owed. Now, in man's eyes, one owed more than the other. Actually, in man's eyes, one owed ten times more. But Jesus speaks specifically here that both of them owed. Now, when you read this, you begin to get on, on through the Scriptures or on the inside that the woman knew she owed. She knew she was a sinner, but the man, he kind of had a hard time with it. Now, I want you to hold your finger right there or get you a place to mark it. Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 3, and then we're going to come right back there. Let me tell you something as you're going to Romans 3. Spiritually speaking, we all owe. Every one of us in this room owe. You owe, and you owe, and you owe, and you owe, and you owe. Okay? Every one of us. And that's why Jesus said right here, he had two debtors. Now, let the Word of God teach us this morning on this line. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. How many of them? All. All are under sin. Keep reading. As it is written... There is none righteous, just, or truthful. No, not one. Now, that pertains to me and you today, too. Every one of us in this room fit this description. Look at verse 23. Same chapter. For all have sinned. How many? All. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of of God. And right here, I believe when the Apostle Paul said all, he highlighted that because he knew as human beings, we would try to argue this point. And we would try to throw in there, yeah, but. But he's better than me or he's worse than me. And a lot of times as human beings, we try to justify ourselves. But if we were in a court of law, and the only question asked to each one of us are, are you guilty of sin? Every one of us would have to say, yes. Now get this, there's not one of us in here that aren't sinners, okay? So if we try to justify ourselves, it gets us in, 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 into trouble or problems. Look at verse 24, what, what he says here. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You know what that says? Your hope and my hope 
is only in Jesus, okay? It's not about how good you think you are or how bad you know you are. Every bit of this, once again, says that we've been justified freely by Jesus. That's where me and you got to get, where I understand Jesus has qualified me. I can't qualify myself. Back to Luke chapter 7. Back to Luke 7. Verse 41, once again, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Verse 42. And when they had nothing which to repay, the second similarity that I want you to see here is found right there in that sentence where it said, they had nothing which to repay. They, meaning both of them. Neither one of them could pay. Now, every one of us, spiritually speaking, we're bankrupt, guys. There's nothing we could pay that would cover our sins. Only what uh, Jesus has done for us, only the blood that He shed, that's the only thing that'll save us. That's the only thing that'll help us, okay? i got to get past this stuff of thinking that because of my own acts, I can be saved. I can't. So the second similarity is he freely forgave them both. Hold your place right there. Go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 64. I want you to see this. Isaiah 64. Verse 4. It says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God beside you, who acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and he's talking about continuing sin, and we need to be saved. Now you know what he's telling me there? For every one of us in the room, the answer isn't how good or bad we've been. The answer is we've got to be saved. What does that mean right there where it says to be saved? That means I give my heart to Jesus. When I give my heart to Jesus, He comes on the inside of me and He changes my nature. When I got born again and you got born, He changed my nature. When I get born again, there should be a difference in my nature. There should be a change. People should start looking at you and saying, there's a difference in you. Something's happened. Keep reading. Verse number 6. But we are all like an unclean thing. How many of us? All of us. And all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. That word righteousness a lot of times there means our deeds and our acts. Now if you'll note here, he didn't say all our bad behaviors are like filthy rags. He said, all our righteousness is. If you'll notice in there, it was plural. So he's telling us something here, that everything we do that's good is still like filthy rags. In other words, our acts and our behaviors, they don't even register with the righteousness of God. They're like filthy rags. Now, I'm not preaching, guys, that we shouldn't live righteous. I'm just showing us right here that no matter how good you are, no matter about all the good deeds and acts you do, they're like filthy rags. 
Keep reading. And, our, our, and we all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So you know what he's telling me here? Don't think that your good acts, don't think that your good behaviors are going to qualify you for heaven. The only thing that qualifies us is we goes back. We've got to be saved. How are you saved? According to Romans 10, 9 and 10, you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That is a gift for every one of us. Okay? Back to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. So we're in verse 42. We've seen two similarities. Number one, the first one was that, that he forgave both. Both owed and then both were forgiven. Now, here's similarity number three. Back to verse 42. And when they had nothing which to repay, he freely forgave them both. The second similarity in this passage here, guys, it doesn't matter how much you've sinned or how little you've sinned, he freely forgave them both. And man, I'll tell you right now, it was very apparent that this woman was very grateful, and it was very apparent that this religious man, he wasn't real grateful. Now note in there that Jesus said this, but Jesus didn't say, I can pay up to 50, but anything over and above that, you're going to have to pay. He didn't say that in there. That was some of the difference. Now, what happens with human beings, guys, is in, in, within each one of us, guys, there's some differences. There's some differences that God sees that all men have, have sinned. But as human beings, we don't like to look at it that way. We kind of like to look at it like this guy Simon did. And Simon appeared like, okay, there's people on this earth that have sinned, 50 times, and there's people on this earth that have sinned 500 times. So what we get in, in habits of doing as people, we start comparing ourselves to other people. And this is how it kind of looks. Well, I know I'm not as good as him, but I'm not as bad as him. And it would be very easy for me to look and say, well, I, I know that Monica's better than me, but I know Raul's worse than me. Now, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know that. I'm not saying that. So what ultimately ends up happening here, guys, we start trying to qualify ourselves. We start looking and thinking, you know what? I'm not quite that bad. No, we're all sinners. Every one of us have sinned. Now, you guys, cue that video. I had read an article about the Reverend Billy Graham. And years and years and years ago, he was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Actually, Sydney right here, she asked me, she says, who's Johnny Carson? And I said, thank you, Sydney, for making me feel so young. For all you young ones, Johnny Carson was the David Letterman or Jay Leno of many moons ago. In this passage right here, they're talking about the Ten Commandments. Now, you got to focus in on this real quick, okay, because it's really short, but it gets to the point on something. Now, go ahead and show this. Watch this. This will help you. Okay. So you who watched Johnny Carson, you realize Johnny Carson, he was a mess. 
But Billy Graham said something in here when it pertained to the Ten Commandments. First of all, he said that under the New Testament, if we even think it in our heart, we're guilty of doing it. But he said this, and this is found in Matthew 5. If we've broken one of the commandments, we've broken all of them. And so every one of us in here, and I don't believe any one of us in here are perfect. I believe every one of us in here have probably broke at least one of them. Some of us have broken numerous ones of them. Speaking of me, okay? I'm going to set that straight real quick. But he makes a point here, we have all broken a promise. So when I begin to look at all this, and as a good sinner, which I was, before I gave my heart to Jesus, guys, I was a good sinner. No doubt about it. Actually, last night, my wife began to tell some people about how good of a sinner I was. And I looked and I thought, dang, I really was pretty bad, wasn't I? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. So when I read this, why did Jesus set specific numbers of 50 and 500 if we're all sinners? Why did he do that? We've got to go back and look at this, and I want you to see this, starting back in uh, verse number 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, and what it was talking about, he saw this woman crying, kissing his feet. It ticked him off. It irritated this religious man. When he saw this going on, he spoke to himself saying, this man, Jesus, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, this is pretty bold of this guy named Simon. He says, if this man was a prophet, in other words, he's insinuating that Jesus not, must not be a prophet. But yet, when I study about Jesus' life, not only was, a, was he a prophet, he was right 100% of the time. He batted a thousand. Hang in here with me. Keep reading. Verse number 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Now what happens here, this prophet named Jesus, the Son of God, he reads this guy's mail. When Jesus starts talking about the 50 and the 500, he is actually speaking what Simon's thought was. Get this, okay? And so I'm sure this guy named Simon is freaking out thinking, oh my gosh, he's reading my mail. He knows everything that I'm saying. So Jesus' thoughts right here are directed to respond to Simon's thoughts. And when he goes on to say this, guys, he, he's saying to Simon, in people's eyes, we look and we think, that person sinned 500 times. I've only served, or, or, or sinned 50 times. But in this passage here, guys, Jesus wasn't teaching that there are some that are worse than others. Jesus was teaching there's some who think they're better than others. And that's exactly what Simon's problem was. Simon had the mentality... I'm a pretty good guy, and that woman is pretty sorry. So Jesus, guys, here, he sets the number of 50 and 500 because he, he's uh, debating with Simon, or he's telling Simon, you think I'm a prophet? 
I'm going to show you that I'm a prophet. And so right here, this man named Simon, he's irritated, and Simon's thoughts is, how dare Jesus allow this 500, this prostitute, this sinner to touch him, and on top of that, I'm a man and I've only got 50 on me, and it really offends me that she would come around me or come into my house. So in verse 40, Jesus said, I got something to say to you. And you know what he was saying to Simon? He was saying, listen, buddy, I'm going to alter your thinking. You've got in the back of your mind, you're so much better than this woman. And he ultimately is telling him, Simon, if you're going to continue to think like this, you'll never love like her. You'll never love like her. You'll never be grateful like her. You'll never be appreciative of her. And Jesus, in a nutshell, was saying, if I can change your thinking where you begin to see yourself as a sinner instead of so religious and righteous, then you'll love like her. Now, he said something in verse 47, Jesus did. He said, he who's forgiven of little loves little. But he's who's forgiven of much Loves much. You know what the issue is this is? If every one of us in here would we begin to see ourselves that we've been forgiven of much, we would love much. But when we have the mentality, I'm really better than you. And I'm not as bad as you. And we start living a life of thinking, I'm to compare myself to this person that... I'm going to tell you guys, I'm never going to walk in total freedom. But when I come under the, the robe of humility like this woman did and said, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And when we read what the Bible says, every one of us are sinners. Every one of us. So the question is this, ask yourself right now. Have I been forgiven of much? Don't go, don't go like Simon and say, well, what about this person or what about that person? See, I can tell you today right now, I've been forgiven of much. I know that. There's, there is no, no question in my mind. And if we had little bitty chalkboards down here today and we could see the tallies of all our sins, some of you would have a little bitty chalkboard down here with a few tallies. I know for a fact that that would be the size of my chalkboard right there. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's no mystery in my life that I was a great... I was a great sinner. I don't have a problem admitting that. But I do know this, that when Jesus comes in my heart, He changes my nature. And I do know this, that He says, according to 1 John 1, 9, that if I'll confess my sin, that He's just to forgive me and He's just to cleanse me. And so guess what? Because I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to walk in that in my own life, guys. It doesn't bother me what you've done. It shouldn't bother you what I've done. Because you know what? The only one that can fix you and the only one that's fixed me is Jesus. Thank the Lord. I really thought some of you would stand up and shout on that. I really did. I mean, every time I read this passage, it really moves me. Now, I want you to show you something else here, guys. Back at the start, let's look at verse 37 and 38. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. 
You know, that may, that may identify with some of you. Everywhere she went, didn't matter if she was at Walmart, they'd say, there's the sinner. Didn't matter if she was getting gas in, there's the sinner. You see her at the line at Starbucks, there's the sinner. I mean, this was how she was known. So keep reading here. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. The reason I highlight this, guys, is this woman who was a sinner, she knew her only chance in life was Jesus. And she said, I'm going to go to him. It's very important for each one of us to understand that. I've got to gravitate toward Jesus. Verse 38, and she stood at his feet behind him. The reason she stood at his feet behind him, it's because she was eaten up with shame and guilt. How many of us in here, guys, have scars on our heart from shame and guilt? Probably every one of us in here. Just like this woman. And the reason she stood behind him besides of shame and guilt is because of that religious man, he made her feel like you don't belong. And I pray that never happens in this church where you feel like you don't belong. I'm going to tell you right now, you belong. But when it comes to, to shame and guilt, and I talked about the scars of our life, this is how the, the devil tries to dominate us still. He will keep you going through life where you think, I don't want anybody to ever know that I did this or this or this or this. Years ago in my life, when I started pastoring this church, I began to hear the whispers of the devil. And he would say, I'm going to tell all the people in your church all the things that you've done. And when they find out what you've done, they're going to run your little rear off. And it terrified me. I thought, oh my gosh. What if they find out I did this? And what if they find out that I did that? And I was like, oh my gosh. So you know what I did? I just said, Father God, grace me with, I'll just expose myself. I'll tell them everything I've done. And so you who've come to church here, most of you know my past, and you realize, hey, he was a sinner. I was. And so now I can look at the devil and say, bring up everything you want about me. They already know. There's freedom in that, guys. There's freedom in that. I don't walk on eggshells anymore thinking, oh my gosh, I hope these teenagers don't find out what I've done. You know what? I'll tell them what I've done and I'll tell them don't do the same stupid stuff I did. Run from that stuff. But how many of us in this room have shame and guilt? How many of us when we come to church we have the sense I don't belong? See, that's what the devil tries to do. And he wants to keep us where our eyes look and say, well, I'm better than him, but I'm worse than him. Because i got to get off that comparison and realize the only thing that sets us free is Jesus. Now, when I look at all this, guys, right here, and I begin to read this, Jesus paid the price for every one of us. It doesn't matter if you think you're a 50 or you're a 500. There was one cost. There was one price that was paid. It was paid in full, and with it came a warranty that only Jesus could make. And I highlight that in here right now. 
Because Jesus knew that you would sin before you got born again, and Jesus knew you would sin after you got born again. And some of you would say, I haven't sinned. I won't sin after I got born again. Well, let me ask you, have you sinned since you got born again? Yes, I have. And I thank God that same warranty, that same blood that forgave me before I was born again, it still forgives me and cleanses me after I'm born again. He paid the price. Listen, guys, you're no mystery to him. And one of the greatest things that I can tell you about this passage is hear this woman, this prostitute or suggested prostitute, she humbled herself and came to Jesus. And he didn't reject her. And guess what that means for you and me? He won't reject you either. And I believe when Jesus spoke about this story here, I believe he wanted to get in our minds, this woman would be the poster child of sin. And some of you say, oh, no, 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 that's me. I'm the poster child of sin. But the hope here for every one of us today is this. He's paid for every one of us. Every one of us have debts that only Jesus could pay. He could take care of them. But the only way that happens is when I get under the blood of Jesus. I don't live under the bondage of sin anymore, guys. I'm going to live the life that He came to give me. I'm not going to allow my past, my shame, and my guilt. And some of you right now, you're, you're eaten up with shame and guilt. It's kind of like the, the shame and guilt of your life has jumped on your back and you piggyback it around. And from day to day to day to day, you think, oh my gosh, I'm so shamed. See, Jesus paid for that stuff. But unless I respond to Him, and even in the song, the songs today, there was one of the verses that said, He's taken my shame. I've surrendered. I say, here, Jesus, if you died for it, you can have it. I'm not going to carry it around anymore. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.